Hey everyone, Aubrey here. I just wanted to pop on really quick and say how excited I am for you to listen to this special bonus episode featuring Antonio Cipriano. Now, I must say, we did record this episode a few weeks ago, and since that time, we have all unfortunately learned that National Treasure Edge of History will not be renewed for a second season at Disney+. But we really do hope that this interview lifts your spirits from that news a little bit. We think you're absolutely going to love it, and we cannot wait to see what Antonio and his castmates are up to next. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to National Treasure Hunt the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we are here with our latest bonus episode of an action-packed season six. We have just not had a break. And by we, you mean you for audio editing. (laughs) Every week there's a new one to edit. I mean, it's great. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's it's yes there's there's been a lot and a lot for people who are trying to keep up with the pod to be keeping up with if you're one of those people that's trying to keep up with the pod you should already know this but you can find us on twitter and instagram at nt hunt podcast for more information about us and all of the various things we do you can visit us at nthuntpodcast.com And please, if you have not yet already, go ahead and order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at TuckerDSPress.com. Well, today is a very, very exciting day here at National Treasure Hunt because we are welcoming a guest that we had been crossing our fingers to be able to get onto our show because we knew it would be a great time. And that is the one and only Antonio Cipriano, who you know as Oren Bradley in National Treasure, Edge of History. Now, we first met Antonio, as you might expect, based on many of these bonus episodes so far this season. Uh, We met him at the red carpet premiere for Edge of History back in December. He was a really, really fun interview then. Uh, We had a blast talking to him. He was really thoughtful in his responses. And uh, yeah, high priority to get him for a full-length interview on the show. Yeah, I mean, I feel like from the moment we met him, we just kind of knew, like, we need to talk to him more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know about you, M, but at the after party, like after the actual screening as well, um, Brian and I ended up talking to him a little bit. And I don't know, the th- <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but like he's celebrating with his fellow cast members and yet took more time to chat. Was just really, really kind. So we don't want to beat around the bush too much here. We want to jump right into the conversation. So here are just a few things to whet your appetite about what you're going to learn from this episode. First and foremost, you're going to learn the very comedic way in which Antonio first introduced himself to the legend Catherine Zeta-Jones. You're also going to hear about what he learned from Justin Bartha during filming for episode four. And one of our personal favorite moments from this episode, you're going to hear about a massive secret that Antonio had to keep for the duration of filming. This one's going to this one's going to make you giggle, I promise. It is a pretty big deal. <laughs> so, without further ado, please join us in welcoming Antonio Cipriano to National Treasure Hunt. <laughs> You know him as the new Riley of the National Treasure franchise. Antonio, welcome to National Treasure Hunt. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. We've been looking forward to this literally since we met you during the premiere. You were (laughs) low-key, one of the most fun people to talk to, and um, yeah, we're we're biased and we don't even care. Oren is our favorite character in the new show. So. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. That is, thank you. I really do appreciate that. That was a lot. I appreciate that so much. (laughs) 
Thank Our you. pleasure. No, it's truthfully. And tr trust us, we don't say that to everyone. So um, before we get into the the bread and butter of this conversation, all about Oren and your experience working on the first season of Edge of History, we like to start by giving our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be an actor? Yeah, uh, so I started out at eight years old. Um, my well, I guess ever since I could really talk, I was starting to sing and like, you know, put on shows, regardless if it was like costume shows with my cousins and my siblings, or like full on concerts in our living room, shirtless and everything just like freaking out. There's videos. Um, but my parents were like, this kid is crazy. We need to do something about this. So they signed me up for a theater camp at eight years old. And I played Zeke in high school musical. And I didn't stop after that. I literally, if I wasn't doing a play or a musical or something, I was like not having it. I needed to be busy doing something all the time. So I was doing either like the middle school production or the high school's production while I was in elementary school or like the community theater, whatever I could find, I was like doing it because I was just loving it. I was loving it so, so, so much. Like going to rehearsal was my favorite thing at like nine years old. I don't know why, but it's just like the best thing ever. Um, so yeah, I just continued to do that. And then when I was a junior in high school, uh, there was this competition in New York that kind of, you know, a lot of industry people go to, and that sort of opened up a lot of opportunities in the city and for like agents and, and managers and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of when that all started, when I first started like inching into the, to the business a little bit. Um, and then I, from that competition, I received a Facebook message to audition, to send in a self-tape for a show called Jagged Little Pill. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, interesting. Let me send in my first self-tape. And I did and ended up booking that role, which was crazy. And I was with that show for four years. Wow. Um, from development, from like the workshop all the way to Broadway. And we did that. And it was amazing. And now... During COVID, I was kind of unemployed for like a year and a half, really, you know, not doing well. Everyone was kind of in a crisis and then was auditioning for a bunch of TV and film. And and the best one happened to just show up on in my inbox one day. And uh, the rest is edge of history. I totally knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I saw that. that on the spot. <laughs> I didn't plan that at all. That was crazy. OK, I heard it coming. I love it. <laughs> That yeah. was amazing. Um, okay. Sorry. As as somebody who uh, really loves musicals, I I don't act in them, but okay. I I play in the pit orchestras for them. Um, just like community in high school ones, not like on Broadway or anything. That's but awesome. so I really appreciate your like, you know how you started with theater stuff, and then the whole jagged little pill thing was just so fun for me to find out about because we obviously like you know looked into yeah. you a little bit <laughs> um not in a creepy way at all okay understandable <laughs> but um anyway back to business prior to joining the edge of history cast yeah. what was your personal relationship with like the national treasure films themselves yeah, I mean, I, I I watched them when I was younger with my family, like when they came out, 2004. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I was young, so I didn't really understand most of what was going on. But I was watching them, very entertaining. And then I was a fan. And, and then watching them again after, like over the years, I would still watch them occasionally and like still be caught up with them. And like, this is still such a great movie. And then I watched them again when I booked the role and... I was like, this is this is a really good movie. Like, you know, when sometimes when you watch a movie when you're younger and it doesn't really stand after a while, but like this was like, wow, I could watch I watch it all the time. Like I'm always watching it. It's the best. I love it so much. And I loved it growing up. So just like being a part of that world now is like crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's shockingly rewatchable. And yeah. something Oh my god. Seriously, it right? Be. It shouldn't be because like <laughs> We know what's happened. We know exactly. what's going to happen. What's going to happen. But it's it like 
pulls you in every single time. You're like, yeah. okay, let's do this again. Let's find it again. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think Emily and I have learned, you know, doing National Treasure Hunt and making this podcast now for three years, you know, we've... Yeah. We have so, people have asked us from the beginning, like, how do you make an entire podcast about two movies? And it's like, well, when you have something as dense and thought-provoking as Mm -hmm. the National Treasure films, every time you watch it, you can pick out something new if you try hard enough, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you guys started this three years ago. We did in 2020. Have you guys been fans, like, since, like, the movies came out and then just diehard fans from the beginning or like it started i mean we've we've always really enjoyed the movies um the the crux of emily and my friendship uh we have very little in common with the exception of liking the national treasure movies and so that was always like a funny hook for us and then like you said covid i mean i think emily and i were both fairly fortunate in that our, our day jobs were pretty secure but we still we're very impacted by the whole stay in one place and just, you know, simmer for a while. And so this was a project that we started um, to reconnect and, and find more meaning in life. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, congrats on three years. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Um, yeah. But congrats to you on such an incredible character in Oren Bradley. Um like, like I said, we really, really love him. And we were wondering, what backstory were you given for this role? And, you know, we've heard from other actors in the past that sometimes they create additional backstory to inform their performance. So was there any additional backstory that you created yourself for this character? Yeah, so basically all we really had was that the four, like, they were best friends from from when they were younger you know we didn't really have much there uh but but what was really great was we got to baton rouge in january and we didn't start filming till mid-february so we had like a month and a half to literally become best friends like actually we method acted hardcore but like it wasn't method acting it was literally just like being best friends and it was awesome um (laughs) but (laughs) um yeah, so we had that backstory, but then, you know, Zuri and I were talking like, oh, you know, how did how did Tasha and Oren like get together originally and like all of that stuff. And we were talking about I don't know the specifics of it anymore, but it was like it was it was really sweet. We were like I asked her to a dance and it was like we had been friends for a long time and we just asked each other and it was like really great. And yeah, it was like really sweet. It was a cute uh, story. Um but other than that, like we we knew the the characteristics of our character. Like I was a sneakerhead and and into conspiracy theories and whatnot. But like there was not there was nothing specific. Um, but yeah, I also um, I believe I talked to you guys about this at the premiere with like the knowing about Riley Poole and everything. Like he mm-hmm. he, I I kind of just th- yes they wrote it in the show, but like that's kind of like he was a fan of Riley like growing up he had the books and everything because he was younger when they found that treasure and like followed them to now so i think that's that's also been a pretty cool thing to play with as well oh that's awesome well you know the first time that we really i would say <laughs> in earnest meet oren is when when billy sneakily uses oren's passion for shoes to lure him into a shipping container yeah. um so i've just got to ask like what was it like being kidnapped by Catherine zeta jones yeah really great question um i the best it was so much fun we had a blast um Catherine came into set the day before we shot that uh that was the first time i got to meet her oh. and uh she was she's just like this presence and everyone was freaking out. We were like, Oh my God, it's her. It's Catherine. Okay. And I walked up to her and I was just like, Hey, can't wait to get kidnapped by you. And like, it was just like, it's like, what? A, like, that was the first thing I said. And I like, kind of like, hi, hi, hi. Um, but it was, it was wonderful. She, the way she carries herself on set is like incredible. She comes to set with so many ideas and so like, yeah. she, she is a collaborator in that process. And just to see that, um and learn from her is is, was amazing she's awesome oh that's that is very cool 
Um, yeah. yeah, I have to say, in terms of like first lines to to, <laughs> to meet someone in real life, oh, yeah. that's that's like that's Just... a really good one. I mean, it's not usable in many circumstances, <laughs> right? But like in this specific one, that worked. It worked, and it and it's like it gets out rid of the awkwardness because you're yeah. just kind of going right for it. Honestly, it sounds like a great strategy, and <laughs> I obviously am not going to use it exactly like that in my life, but I'll try right. to do something like that yeah. in the future. Yeah, if you're ever in that specific situation, yes. you're free to use that that line. If Thank you. Need. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, um, so like you said, Oren is you know a fan of riley cool um but when your character meets riley in episode four he's surprisingly like very chill about it and we know Oren has like emotional range to get really excited about stuff so what do you think that Oren like learned from riley during their day together because he seemed like he was in kind of the right headspace for it right he wasn't like yeah outwardly starstruck at least well i think i think the only thing that that caused him to not be able to be starstruck is obviously because they just like saved them from almost dying and like i don't i think Oren was like okay let me just breathe a little bit let me act as cool as possible like someone who just saved your life and it's nice to meet you i'm Oren. And we're on the same level now. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he did freak out when like he sees him at the first and he literally leaves this wake to go get the book. But, um, you know, what was really fun about that scene that we got to do after we saved them and like, and Riley's talking was the, uh, the I made a podcast and like the, the high five thing. That was all improv actually. That was, what was so fun about it was really? when we were rehearsing uh <laughs> that was what was cool he he came in on the set with like a lot of cool ideas and stuff like that and and worked out some stuff with with the writers and and, and whatnot um but yeah during the scene we were rehearsing and she's like how do you know all that he's like i'll tell you why because I made a podcast and just put his hand out and I slapped. It was like a perfect moment. So we got to keep that in there, which was really cool. Um, I love that. It was good. I don't know. Oh if that my is, gosh. But it was cool. That <laughs> That's was cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just to like see like a lot of what the, what made the original movies. Yeah. Brought out, you know, it's cool. Yeah, I mean that that leads me perfectly into into my next question, which is kind of like, did you learn anything from Justin Bartha about playing Riley? Obviously, your participation, right, in that is is in that high five is a good example. I realize I'm doing a lot of hand motions, and this is not a visual yeah. medium. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, so did you learn anything from Justin Bartha about playing the quote unquote like Riley role within Edge of History? Yeah, I think um honestly, you guys saying that is really cool. I I appreciate you saying that. That's like the craziest thing. I don't I don't know if that's you know if I, you know, that's a lot of whoa. Uh that's that's Riley. I mean, Riley Poole is like amazing. So that's cool to hear. But um, we didn't talk specifically about that. Like, we didn't get much time on set with him, unfortunately. You know, it's it's hard to um, have those kind of conversations because he wasn't there for much time. But uh, we did have a day. This is more just based on like his experience in the movies. Uh, we did have a day where we were sitting in a van for like two hours because we were getting rained out. It was the first day he was on set. And uh, we were just hearing stories from him about the first movies and like how it worked and everything. And like the first table read, he was making up so much stuff on the spot. And they were literally like, you know, if he doesn't read from the script, he's like out. He was like making up shit on the spot all the time. And I was like, oh, damn. 
like because because we you know there are moments especially with a character like like riley or like Oren, like you can you can think on your toes and like if if something works most of the time for me i was i was like let me bring it to the whips first let me just like talk to them and like see if this would work for the character uh obviously i don't want to like do anything crazy to the to the script or anything like that you know um but yeah i think just just the aspect of like thinking on your toes and, and coming up with these things was was a really big acting like mm-hmm. exercise like it, it really made me grow as an actor like tenfold it was crazy um and yeah i think that was like a a, a pretty big thing that that i learned from him and and just doing the role that's awesome. I mean, speaking of this idea of being able to kind of have these quips or these lines that just yeah. pop into your head. I don't know, Antonio, you had some incredible lines this season. <laughs> um, I I am personally, there's one that I've brought up in like, what, Emily, three interviews now with other people. The <laughs> dude, there's a horse. <laughs> that is, yeah. That it was breaks so me. Fun. That was a fun day. That was a fun day. Oh I my mean, God. the this the episode at the Alamo has some of your best lines. I think bar none. There's that one. There's I for one will never forget the Alamo. Like <laughs> really, really good stuff. But again, you yeah. had it throughout the season. So like, I was actually wondering, from like an acting perspective, how do you prepare for a fairly comedic role in what is otherwise a pretty serious and high stakes show because I'm sure that if if there's a I'm sure there's a line that you have to walk there so that you don't come off as not not corny but almost out of place right like out of like not even a part of the show like it feels like it's the wrong show yeah it certainly can I mean I think you did a great job of not having that happen but how do you walk that line as an actor yeah, well, I think Oren is just like kind of he's a lot more complex than than you really like initially think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot. Of, he's got levels. You know what I'm saying? He's got, <laughs> uh, he does say that, I believe. Right. He yeah, says he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he he. You know, the comedic stuff, luckily, the writing was I mean, they just they were they were hitting me with some good stuff. And I and, you know. It was it was kind of some of the lines were like it's on the page it sounds wild but if I can say it a certain way to make you believe that like it's not that crazy coming out of his mouth or like just it was fun to like really just figure out how to say these lines because some of them are just so out there that you're like what is he thinking in his head right now but like playing around with that was awesome. And like, I've, I've grown up doing mainly comedic roles, which I, I didn't realize, but like, I, I always in, in all of the shows I did, even if it was like the lead person, I was trying to come up with random all the time, just to like make fun. Um, I just love like Jim Carrey was like my, was my inspiration growing up. Um, so always doing weird stuff always um so it was it was kind of it felt very natural to play that kind of character it was very much a lot of myself like a lot of my family watching it were like that was just you (laughs) a lot of people have told me that and I was like yeah yeah for the most part that was just I just got to play some of myself so basically when we were saying that we loved Orin as a character we were just complimenting you and we didn't even know it (laughs) No, I mean because I didn't come up with any of it. They came up with it. So I gotcha. just I just was like, hey, you know. You just uh, wrote me into a script as a person. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not fully, you know, he's he's definitely a little different, but it was fun to play a bit of a heightened version of myself, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of you said Oren has levels. Is that that that's what the you Gen use? Z speak? Yes. Uh <laughs> The gen, yeah, the Gen Z speak. Um, Oren, at first, at least to, I think, viewers, seemed like a fairly selfish character. Like, yeah. he was funny, but he also seemed like he, you know, cared a lot about the sneakers and, you know, yeah. like, but that's why it was really, I think, surprising 
to learn that he'd been hiding like the emergency money and supplies for Jess like the whole time so I guess as the person who played Oren what do you think motivates Oren to like be so protective of his friends and how does it fit in with kind of the comedic aspect right of the personality that you were talking about yeah I mean if you if you think about like I don't know if you guys have seen New Girl or anything like I have yeah that show so I I sort of like also loosely was thinking about like a mixture of all three of those guys in New Girl sort of in in within Oren uh and if you look like that is a funny show like they are hilarious but it's also like so heartwarming and like they love each other so much and there's there's so much room to have both in a in a character 1000% um and and i i think oren yes is selfish about about that stuff and and has a lot to learn but he does have a lot of love for his friends they grew up together like and jess specifically you know he knows what's what she's going through he knows everything you know so i didn't i didn't think it was very um especially since he has the the box for like the zombie apocalypse and like tornado and all this stuff like he thinks about that stuff because he's like a conspiracy theorist like he's he knows all of this stuff he's got things for certain things and i think you know jess's situation is something that's really big in his mind because he cares about her a lot um so i i don't think it was it was too out of left field that he had you know uh that secret stash of of money for him when you put it like that actually like alongside the tornado box or the zombie apocalypse box it's just another type of disaster that could happen in his life right yeah yeah and he's always he's prepared yeah, that's okay. I, I had not thought about it that way before. Thank you very much for sharing that. We love when someone can change the way we think about these things. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will say another really surprising moment, and this one was even more shocking to me, was when Oren kind of becomes this voice of reason in Mexico when he refuses yeah. to participate in the idea of breaking Rafael out of prison. That to me, I would love to hear your thoughts on, especially when you saw that yeah. in the script and and then, right. of course, saw it play out because he was a very willing participant in all the other heists up until that point, right? So, like, right. why is this the place where he draws the line? Yeah, I think, um, you know, he uh, he has been through a lot and changed a lot over the season at that point. You know, he's already been kidnapped threatened multiple times um you know they've gone to mexico like he's gone as far as to going to mexico with jess and and is trying to do this and trying to help in in whatever way he can but uh, same as you know if this disaster were to happen where she needs this thing this is the point where he's like i care about you guys too much to to support this because like I, I I can't bring myself to support this decision. Just you could literally never come back. Like I literally am going to lose my friend today because you are going to get arrested and never see us again. Um, now now is it is it was it the right decision to just leave and let them still do it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean that's that's what's interesting to like be an actor and you don't really have you're kind of just still letting the story come to you and letting the story happen. Um, I don't know if it was the right decision, but it shows that he, he does, um, you know, he, he, he does care about his friends a lot and, and the maturity has, has definitely finally, I think come, come to come to his head a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it was the right decision, but that's for for folks to discuss. What well, do you guys? Oh well, that's the thing. I was just gonna say. This sounds Emily like a topic for a future ethics episode. Yeah, we yeah. do. We do deep dive episodes on the history, on the science. We do ethics and moral morality episodes as well. So that could be a really interesting thing to talk about. I think you're right. I mean, my initial reaction after hearing your response is 
it's very it's fascinating because this can be seen as a direct extension of the you know just survival kit right like protecting your friends at all costs but could it also be an extension of the selfishness where like i can't accept the possibility of losing you as my friend therefore yeah. i can't support this even though it's really important to you i'm not you know it's yeah or like you're even though you're gonna clearly do it anyway yeah like <laughs> i'm not stopping you but i'm not gonna participate in in i'm not gonna help my friend get arrested basically yeah even though we could have gotten arrested multiple other times <laughs> this one is in mexico and it's different that's true yeah. well you you talked about kind of the the maturity of Oren yeah. kind of throughout the season and i mean we definitely noticed that too he kind of goes from being a liability like he got kidnapped he had a recorder in his shoe to yeah. being more of an asset uh mm -hmm. where he like knew about Graceland's secret room and he helped solve the cipher in Sadusky's book so what yeah. do you think are the unique skills that Oren like brings to the treasure hunt and then also does the fact that Oren is a sneakerhead provide any transferable skills for the treasure hunting itself well um I mean, yes, he he definitely grows throughout the season. I think there's a lot of maturity that that happens. Um, he, yeah, I mean, I think I think the conspiracy, the knowledge of the conspiracy theories is is a huge thing that he does help out with. I mean, he literally helps them, as you said, multiple times throughout the hunt, um, knowing about Sea Room and Devil Swamp and whatnot. Um, the sneakers, you know, I mean, it, it does help him be a, he is a, I, I mean, if you look in episode five where he's pitching his business to Keith Lasler, you know, um, he's, he's, he's got a, he's got a really well thought out like business mind, you know, like he's, he's an entrepreneur. Um, and I, I wonder if, if that's something that we see later on, if, you know, if something you know something where that aspect of him can come into play i don't think it did necessarily in this season to help the hunt but i think that could be something down the line that could be really cool oh fun yeah. that would be i don't know though really i have no idea well, sure <laughs> okay so then i guess you know still speaking of Oren's kind of maturity throughout the season as well we don't know if you were paying attention, but the reactions online by viewers seemed to basically unanimously converge on this agreeance that after watching Oren and Tasha get back together mid-season, that yeah. they made a great couple. Yeah. Um. So... Obviously, you know, you you said you matured over the, the course of the season, but yeah. why do you think that their relationship works, I guess, either before or after, you know, they get back together, despite mm -hmm. the fact that they're extremely different people, which I realize is slightly hypocritical of me to ask, given that Aubrey and I have this relationship <laughs> where we're working together and are also very different very people. Different. Yeah, very different people. I mean, uh, like literally the old saying of like opposites attract i think that is that is a big thing but also i think we're more similar than than you think uh just the way that we i think i think our way of handling situations and our 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 humor in it i think we we have like this same this synergy that like just works um and also, you know, there's there's years of 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 life that they that they spend together as friends and together that we don't get to see, but that that you know they could have just been like really great friends as like really as like young kids mm -hmm. and just are inseparable. And like even when they break up, they're still best friends and they, you know, it's just that kind of relationship. Like it's it's like you're my you're my person you know and and that's really cool um 
so I think it's more of that. Like we just really care about each other a lot. And I'm glad that people liked it. I think it was, it was really, I mean, it also really well written story. I think the, the writers did a great job. Can I ask you one unrelated, well, it's related to this, but it's not written down question. Um, it, that has to do, I guess, with the original breakup. So you got custody of the, the lizard. It was a lizard, right? Yeah. Um, and its name was Buffy. Buffy, yeah. Um, do you know if that was a purposeful reference to Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I don't know. Actually. Okay. Um, I can't believe I you just asked that. I had to ask. I, you know, I I have never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, that's fair. Um, I would love to, but that's the first thing that I thought about. So, congrats to Buffy the Vampire Slayer for being so amazing that even people who haven't watched it thought about it. So, <laughs> but Buffy's great. Great character. Great. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. She did her her job amazingly of sitting that in that stare down that her and, yeah. and Ethan had in the second episode. That was very so, funny. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, okay, another off script question. I'm gonna put you on the spot. In oh in goodness. in the game of Jess's heart, are you team Ethan or team Liam? Ooh, wow. This is it's a mean this question. It's terrible of you. Um <laughs> I am, I think that I am team whatever Jess wants to do. And I knew you were going to say that. Of them, she can be by herself. But if she is happy with one of them over the other, I hope that they both can stay in her life. Regardless. Respect. Okay, that was a, that was a really good answer and a, to a very unfair question. So. Because both of those guys are great and she's great and they all deserve the best regardless oh. again not i'm not i don't know if i'm talking to antonio or orion here honestly like <laughs> no that's that's antonio right there that's antonio. <laughs> okay well we have a couple questions left for you this one i've been particularly curious about because as a fan you know watching along the big mic drop moments at the end of the season about agent hendrix and salazar yeah. right wild wild so of course we see that agent hendrix killed agent sadusky and then of course agent hendrix is salazar back-to-back reveals Mm -hmm. insanity so when did you learn the big twist and what was your reaction like from an actor perspective and from a fan perspective yeah i mean i learned it when we were on set for the wake and I was in a circle with just me, Justin, and Armando. So it was just the three of us talking. First of all, that was that was crazy. I was just like, "Why am I? Why am I here right now? What's going on?" Um, crazy. And he just starts talking about it, and I was like, "What? Huh? What are you talking about? Get out of here!" He's like, "No, nah, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm Salazar, but keep it quiet, okay? Don't tell him. This is episode four. Okay, this is the fourth episode." I have a lot of time <laughs> to hold that in, especially for Lyndon. He was like, do not tell Lyndon. I'm not telling you <laughs> until episode nine. I was like, dude, you're going to break her heart. You're going to break her heart, dude. And he did. And <laughs> I had to hold that in for so long. And I honestly, I so wish that I could have just, even when we were filming, not know that that happened and watched the whole season without knowing that. Because I really want to be able to watch that relationship unbiased, mm-hmm. but I really can't because I knew the entire time that he was. What were you honestly throwing it back on you guys? Did you th- who did you think was Salazar? I, Em, I don't know if you have a response. I did you, did you were you catching on to him? Uh, no, no. Woo! Okay. I mean, I thought like so. There was a scene where there was. I, Lyndon's character was on a date with Dr. Mm. Zeke yeah. and he gave her like the a like bouquet of like wrappers wrappers that had the orange <laughs> dye and I remember thinking like 
they're spending a lot of time with the camera on this like thing and i thought that was weird but i had no idea where it was going and then as soon as the the tic-tac thing happened where you know agent hendrix pulled out the tic-tacs i was just like oh it's crazy so like that's when i kind of put it together but Mm -hmm. i don't know aubrey did you no i didn't see it coming at all um because i don't know i feel like I feel like um, you and I have studied national treasure enough to kind of have in our own minds justified why Hendrix would be so wishy-washy as a boss, like just really constantly uncertain of himself and worried about making another mistake. And so his wishy-washiness with, with agent Ross and being like, Oh, don't follow up on this. Oh, actually, if you follow up on it, I'll support you, but don't follow up on that, but do follow up on this. I just attributed it to him being, you know, traumatized by his own past mistakes and now he's in charge of an office it seems like so he's a little uncertain um but once you know you can go back and watch that and it also makes so much sense with the real explanation which i think is probably really hard to accomplish yeah i mean it it makes sense and it's really awesome how they tied that into the story i love it i know like it's so cool it's so cool what were you gonna say Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, between us and, I guess, the people listening, did you tell anyone? No. You can- Are you I, naturally I, good at keeping secrets? I don't know. I don't even know. But I was crazy at that. I was like, this is, this is like, this is like knowing who the next president is. Like, I, I can't tell anybody this. I literally can't. This is classified information. So I kept it. <laughs> I believe I kept it. I don't think I told anybody. I feel like he, I don't remember. Did I tell the rest of the cast? I definitely didn't tell Lyndon. So that's okay. I mean, that. yeah, no, that's good. I was just thinking like, that's a, that's, that's a, a big, big risk for Armando to have taken. Really just to just, yeah. Why are you telling me this, dude? I just really like met you today. Like, <laughs> thank you. But I guess- that's a lot to put on. Circle. You just seem like such a friendly, friendly person that he probably just felt comfortable with you. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. But um, so you did mention a little bit earlier. Um, you indicated that you were hopeful that there might be a second season. Obviously, we don't, you know, know anything yet, but. Mm-hmm. In a potential second season of Edge of History, what would you like to see, either for your character or for just the overall story? Yeah, I mean, we we did talk a little bit about for Oren, you know, I think what could be really cool is, well, it depends on where they want to start a season two. Like, do they want to start it after we've already figured out what's on that next tape? Or do they want to start it after, like, we've already become successful? Like, that's what we do. Or, like, they started out, like, something has happened and we've all split up. And I'm, like, in New York as a, as running my sneaker company. And, like, they're, like, we need you back. I'm, like, I'm not coming back. I'm not doing that ever again. You know, like, it could be cool just to, like, see, maybe that could be, like, a third season thing where, like, something happens at the end of the second season where we all hate each other for a second. I don't know. Like really cool stuff. Like there's so much development that can happen with yeah. this group of friends. Um, so I'm maybe tapping into the to the business aspects for for Oren, um, but also, you know, I think there's there's so many exciting things and there's so many different kinds of treasures that you can find. There's so many different things that that there's so many opportunities to have this this huge treasure in like italy or like spain or wherever we want to go we should just make it really fun um uh yeah i think that would be awesome and i think there's more action more action all the time crazy (laughs) stunts stunts do you do you do your own stunts antonio i wasn't able to do my own stunts and i was really sad about that i was like god I want to do it. I like when I got in in the beginning when I'm when I have to throw the the 
shoe boxes. It was not me, but the uh, the stunt double was really cool. I have a photo with him. He's a great guy. Um, I feel like that must be hard coming from kind of like a a theater yeah I was like, background so where like you're do like it's you yeah it's you that is you and so I you're was, like i have the skills yeah i was down to get and i did it in rehearsals like there were some rehearsals where i did it and we fell onto a mat and everything i was like i could do this i got this let me just like at least put a mat on the ground just cover it up and then just get me falling in and now they just had this guy do it and he these guys cut themselves up so much. Like, it's crazy. Oh, my God. And they're like, yeah, no, this is nothing. Whatever. Like, what the hell? The guy's so probably like, like I've fallen off of a building before. This yeah, is nothing. Like, he's fine. And he's like 19. And his dad ran, runs like the stunt company. And he's been doing it since he was a kid. So, like, he just knows this. This is his world, which is really cool. Um, and then there was another stunt guy who, when Oren backs up the car really quickly, uh, in episode six, when he's picking him up right before the horse line, and he like stops really quick and he's like, "Get in, get in, get in!" Um, the guy who backed it up and like did the on on the reverse was not me, and I was like, "Come on, guys, <laughs> I can do that, I can do that." And they they didn't let me, but that's okay. That's I mean, there's always hopefully a season two for hopefully sure, two and I'll do every single stunt, every single bit. one. Oh my gosh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> there you go. okay it is now time for us to subject you to our national treasure hunt speed round okay so <gasps> yeah this speed is round. we are going to give you a couple of sort of this or that or like first impression type questions and okay. you can give us your thoughts you can elaborate as much or as little as possible i will say everyone starts the speed round and then they start giving answers and then they're like wow oh. i just killed the speed part of this round and we're like it's okay like take it as you will as you would like okay. are you ready i'm gonna go so fast okay i'm not gonna <laughs> be able to read fast enough one word answer no okay okay no okay. i'm not gonna go like this. i usually ramble okay continue if you could play the role of any other character in Edge of History, who would you pick? I would. Uh, uh, I think it would be so fun to be. Uh, 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 you know what? Dr. Zeke. I think season two, Dr. Zeke has so much potential, like could be such a fun character. And I think him and Oren could really get along. Um, so I think Dr. Zeke would be fun. I love that. Favorite quote or scene from the series so far? This is not quick. I can't. Uh, if it helps at all, you're saying favorite quote or scene very quickly. Um, uh, you know, one of my favorites or, or like things that I did in the show i or mean up to you a lot of people give their own lines but it doesn't have to be if you like someone I mean, else's I, I really loved there's a horse i like genuinely had so much fun doing that that part so that was fun yeah just that whole scene for yeah. for the record um that is also brita wool's um favorite i love brita so much oh my god um favorite set or location from season one my favorite set is probably the pool house. It was so cool to walk into the first time. Like there's a pool table. It's like really nice. Um, I love that. Yeah. And we didn't go on many locations. We mainly built a lot of the sets. Uh, like, I don't know if I can share this, but the Alamo was just in downtown Baton Rouge. I don't know if, if you guys knew that, but I probably yeah. shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. People online have, they, people know it's not actually the Alamo. Yeah, because I mean, how, how realistic can you get with it, you know, yeah. if you're not there? And the Wibs, the Wibs mentioned how, was it the Wibs or was it Brita? It was, someone mentioned to us how they actually wanted to hire the Alamo reenactors, like the real ones to come to set, but like there was a vaccination issue. So they had to just hire new actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. How many lemons is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? 
as many as it takes to to decode the secret map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Obviously. 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 Amazing. Maybe twenty. Twenty. Twenty okay. lemons. Your whole your whole uh the entire for the, the entire produce food, is yeah. going to be stocked. Yeah. Wait, is lemon a fruit or a vegetable? It's neither. It's it's a it's a fruit. It's a fruit. What is a lemon? I think it's a fruit. I think it's a fruit. What about a lime? They're well, fruits. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I guess because an orange is a fruit, and like that's pretty much in the same family. Okay. Yeah. Basically the same oh, thing. Really threw me for a loop, though. No. Yeah. No. It, yeah. It took him. It took me a moment too. I didn't think about that. Okay. Cool. Cool. In cool. The in the fruit drawer. Um, Antonio, what is one word you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? One word I would use to describe Agent Sadusky. You sound uh, like Jack Sparrow. Oh my god. God, I would love to be Jack Sparrow. That'd be so cool. Um, what? One word. One word. One word. Um. 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 Uh, stoic. I like stoic. Final word: stoic. Thank you. It's <laughs> an excellent word. Um, if I used it right. But that's mm-hmm. going to be the word that I'm using. Okay, great. For sure, for sure. Uh, what's your favorite conspiracy theory in Riley's book? None. Because there are none. <laughs> <laughs> the book doesn't exist. The book doesn't exist. So joke's on you. It's that one blank page that I really enjoy. Amazing. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. Did you get your hands on one of the like promotional notebook copies of his book? Yes. The well, the one, the one that is just blank. Yeah. On the yeah. That except was, for that was except for page forty-seven. Page forty-seven. Yeah, page forty-seven. They also took page forty-seven out of that book, which doesn't make much sense, but they did take it out for sure. I need the president's book at some point. I'm surprised they haven't sent it to me. But. <laughs> uh yeah, you and you and us both. Yeah, I'm a little confused about that. Mm. Well, okay, real talk though. Apparently, the original prop for the President's Secret book was like sold on like an online auction, which is very disappointing because we learned that it was literally like every page was filled, and they like the the prop designer like learned what each president's handwriting looked like, made recreations of different pages, like wild. What? Yeah. So well, I feel like all of the cast of Edge of History and us should go in on the book and then yeah. we can all share custody, custody of it. Share custody, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to probably have to have a Twitter custody battle just to like make sure we can really figure out who actually gets custody. Mm. Um, For sure. But but we'll figure it out for sure. Wow. That's yeah. why they couldn't do a third movie because the book is taken. They sold it too quickly. Seriously. No, that's a very good point. They don't even know but what they can reference they anymore. Need to, they need to fill in page 47 at least to figure out what that person who got it on the market is like the only one who knows what's on page 47. And they haven't told anybody. That's they like know. keeping a secret like mine. I was going to say there. Yeah, that's literally like, I mean, that's a big secret. It's a a very big secret. Honestly, like, I don't know what I would pay to get my hands on that book. Who is this person? We must look. I I feel like I feel like I could find them. We've we've done some deep dives before. We could find them. For sure. We'd love to talk with them. Last speed round question for you. Oh, this is speed round. Forgot. Sorry. (laughs) We all do all the time. Um, if you had to pick favorite of the two films, National Treasure or Book of Secrets, I'm gonna just go to the one that I continuously just watch all the time is the first one. Uh, I literally just like always will like. If there's a choice between the two, I'm like, well, and and it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch both, but it's already midnight, so like I'm not gonna watch both, not tonight, but I'm gonna <laughs> watch the first one. Just so that I can watch in order, and then I, yeah, yeah, that's so. fair. And then I, the same decision happens. Same decision again, every, yeah, every time. It's like I have to watch. Why would I not watch the first one? You know? Yeah, you got to get the backstory again, yeah. 
again. Yeah. But I have a, yeah. I do have a challenge for you, actually. So um, I always loved and still do love the first one more. But when we were doing research for our own book that we published, um, I gained so much more appreciation for the second movie. Like mm. so many blanks were filled in because when you actually look at the second movie, there are a lot of little holes yeah. and we were able to fill a lot of those holes. But it's also such a great second movie. Like It they, is. Well, we, we had heard that the original cut of it was 40 minutes longer, which would have put it pretty close to three hours. And they were like, oh, we just couldn't do that. And number one, I'm like, have you seen the length of movies today? And n- number two, if there's any movie that I would like to watch for three hours, it is National Treasure. It's going to go by quick. Mm-hmm. Just let it bringing it back to a, a somewhat serious ish no you can make yes. this funny that's fine okay. um what is one message that you have for national treasure fans that are listening to this conversation today um i think one message would be uh hey guys uh wouldn't it be so funny if tomorrow the Disney execs woke up and were like, why did everyone just stream National Treasure? What's going on? Why is it blowing up right now? That's all I'm saying. We must give it a season two. That's all I'm saying. If you wanted to watch it, go for it. This is your sign. All right. That is a good sign. Well, Antonio, this has been an absolute blast um thank you so much for indulging us in our ridiculous questions we really appreciate it wonderful i had a blast today yeah after that conversation i am convinced that antonio and Oren are very 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 similar (laughs) oh yeah uh very much so i feel like I feel like we kind of knew that going in because of our interactions with him at the premiere, but it was just like further confirmed because he was just sitting in his apartment talking to us. Like he wasn't super hyped up with a bunch of other people. He just is that hyped in general, which is super cool. For sure. I mean, I don't know. Did you have any favorite highlights from from the chat? I think my favorite thing was uh, hearing his impression of Oren as a character and like his understanding of the way that Oren loves his friends. You know, I think we were very quick to kind of place him in this comedic role and say that all of the other stuff that we see him do throughout the season kind of juxtaposes that. And he had a really, really interesting take on just the way that his character shows love and the idea that he took the time to think about that in playing the character is just another one of those really cool kinds of behind the scenes type information that we're getting from doing these interviews. For sure. How about you? Oh, you know, for my favorite moment, I actually want to let listeners behind the curtain of post-interview a little bit. We stayed on the line and, and chatted with Antonio a couple more minutes after we finished recording, and um, he had this really hilarious but totally epic idea that you and I, am should be like podcasting in the background of an episode of Edge of History Season 2, should that come together. And, you know, it was like a jokey, fun conversation, but now I'm very married to this idea, and I think we're going to have to talk to the Wibberleys about it. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I mean, somebody on the cast is going to be listening to our podcast, and they're going to flip to us doing it. But not in a way where we don't have to be there physically. We have to be there physically. Okay, but honestly, if they showed someone listening to our podcast, I would die. (laughs) That, That would be amazing. Well, we have to extend our sincere thanks to Antonio once again for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate him taking the time and being such a good sport with all of our crazy questions. Don't forget that if you have not, go ahead and watch season one of National Treasure Edge of History on Disney+. Plus. Take Antonio's advice. We want to see a spike in that viewership. 
after this episode comes out, yeah? For sure. And if you want to also, you know, spike the ratings in other ways, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to, following, and reposting all of our things you can find us on twitter and instagram at nt hunt podcast and please don't forget to order our book yes absolutely and guess what y'all season six is not over yet (laughs) can you believe it we will be back with an all-new episode for your listening ears very soon but until then i'm aubrey and i'm emily and thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt (laughs) 